Just a little hoe bag. You're such a dick. (laughs) Welcome to episode 128 of I Am Sorry What the Podcast. I am Christina. Are you reading a a monitor right now? Is (laughs) that what's happening? I am Christina. That is Amanda. The way like the I said, lines are coming up. The way I said welcome to episode 128 <laughs> just led me into it because it sounded very like monotone and not interested at all in what the fuck we're doing. So oh good. Glad we're here. <laughs> I, just, I just thought I would continue with that tone for the rest of the episode. Oh, the rest of the episode? <laughs> I vote <laughs> nah. I vote not because you're fucking annoying. Don't do that. <laughs> Don't do that. Talk like a human, not a robot. Jeez. I am a robot. That's like the thing in the in the little kid room that I've been working in. Look, Amanda, I'm a robot. <laughs> and then they just do the arms. Like, you don't you cool. like a robot kid. <laughs> <clears throat> you gotta say it like this. I am a robot. I am a robot. So I'm teaching them how to be robots. Good idea. Yeah. You know, big things in life. So uh welcome to uh Two months into 2022, and we're already starting kicking off World War Three. Sweet. Uh, well, everybody keeps calling it World War Three, and I still think it's like it's closer to the Cold War. But now that they invaded Ukraine, I'm like, <laughs> maybe not. Okay. <laughs> well, and I mean, we won't get into it too much, just because that's a political thing that we try not to get too wordy about right now. But Go ahead and not, okay, guys. That's all I'm saying. Everybody should just sit on their hands and stop causing problems. (laughs) Just sit, just sit down, just sit the fuck down. I'm just getting really sick of living through once in a lifetime. (laughs) I know, I keep seeing memes that are just like millennials. I'm 35 on my 10th once in a lifetime event, Event. (laughs) I'm over it. I'm like, yep, sounds about right. Just make it stop. Make uh, it make it stop. How was your birthday? It was good. Um, I had a doctor's appointment and I worked, and then my parents took me to lunch at Olive Garden. And I really wanted their brownie lasagna for it's eight layers of brownie, and then in between each layer is chocolate ganache. Okay. And I know how you like ganache. There's nothing like a good ganache. They didn't fucking have it. And I was so depressed because I like (laughs) opened the menu. And before I even picked out what I was going to eat for lunch, I was like, I'm getting the fucking brownie lasagna. That looks amazing. And then I picked out what I was going to want for lunch. And then I'm like, can I have the brownie lasagna to go? And she's like, yeah, we don't have that. And I was like, what do you mean you don't have it? (laughs) And the waitress, but it's my birthday. And the waitress was like, Oh, uh, we ran, we ran out, and I'm like, but it's it's my birthday, <laughs> and, and mom came here because I wanted the brownie lasagna, and, and mom was like, quit making her feel bad. <laughs> Could you make me some? So then we <laughs> we got in the car, and I was like. I'm just so sad. And mom's like, well, you could find a bakery around here. And I'm like, you're right. I could. So then I found Gigi's Cupcakery. Ooh. And I got a bunch. I got fancy cupcakes. 
cool yeah that's what you were eating when when we were marco poloing it's true that was my birthday cake one i also got a cookie dough one a peanut butter reese's one a unicorn one a triple chocolate one and a wedding cake one also i knew i should have sent you a cake because it was between me sending you a cake or me sending you flowers and i was like i'll just send her flowers because i'm sure they're gonna have dessert so it turns out should have sent you a fucking cake because there's a rainbow cake as an option like the one that we ate at the renaissance parade oh that was so good it was so good so huge it was very it was big. so good oh yeah fucking flower fuck you man not you but the fuck you man flower order from 1-800 flowers yeah no that was a little bit of a shit show and still hasn't shown up so that's fun so i gotta do that today i would definitely be a bitch about it too because even if they oh yeah deli- no even if they deliver they're now three days old so yeah and what, they re- the girl said she said to you that and she i quote guarantee mm-hmm. they will be delivered yesterday and they fucking weren't and they weren't and I don't want store credit. I'm not ordering through you again. No, you'd be a bitch. Oh, so, yeah. No, I'm annoyed. So I will be. Don't and worry. If you ask for a supervisor. And if they tell you, I don't have a supervisor, say, do you own the company? <laughs> like, be, be, be a bitch. Oh, I'm sorry. Do you own the company? No. Okay. Then I want to speak to the person that is above you. Thank you. Let me talk to your boss, please. Thanks. <laughs> Oh, they're not here. Send me to your boss's boss. Guaranteed there's still a few people above you. You call center guy. <laughs> nice try. I don't want to be mean to you. I want to be mean to your right. boss. I want to talk to someone who can actually do something. <laughs> Please and thank you. That's, okay. how I, that's how I start off any, because I work in a call center, how I start off any call where I'm already fucking annoyed is I call and I go, can I speak to a supervisor? Mm-hmm. and they go and it's usually one of two things it's like can I well I can help you blah 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 and I go no here's the thing I'm annoyed and I don't want to be mean to you I want to be mean to your boss so please put your supervisor All right <laughs> I I need to uh relay this anger upon somebody who it makes a difference to relay it on and not just who ruin gets their paid. day okay who gets who gets paid <laughs> to yep. listen to my bitching so I would like to speak to your supervisor <laughs> well and that's uh I was just, I was just annoyed. Still, I'm annoyed, but it is what it is. And now we know and live, learn all that fun stuff. So I'm like, it will figure, it'll get figured out in one way or the other. So it's fine. It's fine. Everything's fine. Everything's I'm fine. Great. Oh. Uh, Ooh, that, that surprised me. <laughs> what just snuck up on you there? <laughs> I opened my mouth to say, uh, and it just, it, it, it came, came out from- a burp came from the underbelly (laughs) oh good gravy shall i should i shall i start the episode sure but go for it dude what's up what you got part two of oh yeah old gorilla hands himself did you see when you looked at those pictures wasn't like his hands they look like giant sausage fingers i didn't like them uh so again part two of earl leonard nelson you know gorilla man gorilla killer the dark strangler Mm -hmm. um where were we he was washing his toes i remember that Mm -hmm. Um, by just like pouring water on them that's 
It's very important distinction. It wasn't just washing his toes. He, he wasn't like leaning down washing his feet. Like it's not, you know, it's not like a or having someone else watch him like a Jesus situation. No. Right. It was it was sitting in a bathtub. A, just pouring containers of water on his toes <laughs> and washing and watching that sock gunk roll out of him uh, and imagining. Yuck. Okay, anyway, I'll, you go on. I'm gonna All right, elaborate. So we went too much. through his West Coast murders right yes yes already you just already you you just started i know (laughs) so now he is traveling to the midwest and east coast so after leaving portland in late november of 1926 he moved eastward hitchhiking or stowing away on trains and then on december 23rd the body of Elmira Berard, uh, 41, was found inside her Council Bluffs, Iowa home. She had been garroted with a shirt. Initially, local police presumed her death a suicide as Berard had recently been discharged from a psychiatric institution. But then this was dismissed after it was discovered that she had been raped. Yeah, can't really do that to yourself. Mm-hmm. Oh, Okay. Then two days after Christmas, 23-year-old Bonnie Pace of Kansas City was strangled, Missouri, was strangled to death and raped in her home. Her body discovered in an upstairs room by her husband. Then on December 28th, uh, Germania Harpin, age 28, along with her eight-month-old baby, Robert, was found murdered in her Kansas City home. Both Both have been strangled, Robert with a diaper. What the fuck? Okay, I'm assuming it was that. like one of those cloth A cloth ones. one, yeah, because yeah. this is early 19th century, correct? Yes. And Germania had been raped after her death. Both she and Robert were discovered by her husband when he returned home from work that evening. So sad. Mm. Uh, he continu- continued to move further east, murdering and raping 53-year-old landlady Mary McConnell in Philadelphia on April 27th. Uh, several articles of jewelry were also stolen from McConnell's residence. The following day, Nelson attempted to sell one of McConnell's gold watches to a pawn shop owner, but she declined. Uh, and then about a month later, he arrived in Buffalo, New York on May 27th, where he rented a room from 53-year-old Jenny Randolph using the name Charles Harrison. Uh, three days later, Randolph was discovered, strangled to death and raped, her body stuffed under a bed in her home gross uh randolph's brother gideon gillett had met mr harrison when he had first arrived at the residence and described him as about 33 years old with a stocky build dark complexion black hair slicked straight back uh fred merritt a boarder in randolph's house would later positively identify nelson as charles harrison okay so then on june 1st in detroit michigan uh he is and, just fucking all over i know he's just about riding the rails bouncing Jeez. around uh boarding house manager fanny may oh along fanny. with along with boarder marine artrothy were discovered murdered in the boarding house mary oversaw their bodies were found by the building owner leonard sink who had arrived to collect rent uh, may had been garroted with an electrical cord cut from a table lamp Ugh. Police determined that the cord had been cut while the electric current was still circulating and that the knife with which it had been done would show visible burning as well as a nicked blade. Uh, Two days later, Nelson murdered 27-year-old Mary Cecilia Seitzman in Chicago. 
She was discovered by her husband on the floor of their home, strangled with an appliance cord. Several articles of men's clothing were also stolen from the home. <sighs> it's just, it like it feels like it never ends. You know what I mean? Like because yeah. you keep going, here's then this one, then this one, then this one, then this one, then this one. It's like and I, I know there's more. Right. We're coming close. Okay. We're coming to a close pretty soon here. Okay. Um, so now he moved on into Canada. So Jesus. Yeah. That's why I said we had to do a two part. Cause he just. He's from, like United States. Not enough. No, now I'm going to move myself Jeez. on up to Canada. So on June 8th, 1927 in Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada, 14-year-old Lola Cohen disappeared after leaving her home to sell artificial flowers door-to-door. On June 10th, another local woman, Emily Patterson, went missing. She was discovered later that evening by her husband, raped and strangled to death under her son's bed. No. She had also been bludgeoned with a claw hammer. Patterson's husband discovered her body while kneeling at the bedside to say evening prayers with her son. So can you imagine going, my wife's missing. I'm going to tuck my son into bed and say prayers and finding her dead body under his bed. What the, it sounds like, uh, it sounds like too ridiculous and crazy to even be in like a horror movie mm-hmm. where you're like, ah, you know, but one of those it would be one of those scenes where you're just like okay that's a lot like not as oh my gosh I just can't yeah <sighs> I don't I, I don't have a lot to say because it just grosses me out and I feel gross just I feel gross I feel I gross it. so upon investigation police determined that several items were missing from the Patterson home including a whipcord suit Patterson's gold wedding ring the family bible and 70 and seventy dollars and ten dollar bills sorry <laughs> A knife bearing burn marks and nicks was also left behind in the home. Police found the knife to be consistent with that which had cut the lamp cord used in the Marion Mayan Artorphy murders the week prior in was it Chicago? Um or no in Michigan. Yeah, I was like it's close to there. It's in that same area. Uh the day after Pat the day after Patterson's murder, Fred England, a local jeweler in Winnipeg, unknowingly purchased Patterson's wedding ring from Nelson for $3.50, and clothing stolen from the home was sub- sub- subsequently uh, discovered for sale in a local secondhand store. Mm-hmm. Both the jeweler and the clothing store owner would positively identify Nelson as the man who provided them the ring and the clothing. Uh, Nicholas T- Tabor a barber who owned a shop next door to the secondhand store told police he had given a man resembling Nelson a shave haircut and a massage on the afternoon of June 10th while cutting the man's hair Tabor noticed dried blood along his scalp as well as scratch marks when he inquired about them the man reportedly became agitated and requested that Tabor not touch them okay while performing a citywide search of boarding houses in Winnipeg on June 12th police entered the boarding house of Miss is August Hill on 133rd Smith Street, where Nelson had recently lodged. Upon a search of his room, the decaying nude corpse of 14-year-old Lola Cohen, who had disappeared at the beginning of my of the Canada discussion, mm-hmm. under her, the bed. Ugh. I don't know what his fixation like is with tucking dead bodies in places. Right, like the small places where they just barely fit. We're just going to stick them there. Mm -hmm. I don't like it. So Cohen's body, unlike that of his other victims, 
had reportedly been mutilated in a manner reminiscent of Jack the Ripper. Ooh. Her clothing and belongings were missing, and it was evident the bed had been slept in, leading police to determine that Nelson had spent the night sleeping with the body beneath the bed. Ooh. After discovery of Cohen's body, Winnipeg City Council posted a $1,500 reward for information leading to the conviction of the criminal degenerate responsible. It would become a point of dispute after several individuals came forward with information pertaining to Nelson's whereabouts. Among them included a motorist who claimed to have given Nelson a ride from Emerson to Winnipeg on the day Cohen went missing. So assuming that he had fled to the United States, Canadian police sent descriptions of him to all U.S. police stations and post offices in the intervening days. Sightings of Nelson's were reported in Regina, Saskatchewan, and Boston. Boise Vane and Manitoba, a man matching Nelson's description who gave his name as Mike Mouski. Mouski. Mike Mouski. Uh, was arrested on June 14th in the Manitoba uh, or in the Manitoba Manitoba slash Minnesota border town of Warod by customs officers, but he escaped the next day. That's the other pattern in this story is he's a slippery motherfucker. He keeps escaping <laughs> makes me think of the greased up deaf guy from uh family guy <laughs> you can't catch me <laughs> <laughs> on june 16th 1927 constables in killarney a manitoba border town 12 miles north from north dakota arrested a man named virgil wilson who felt not not who fit nelson's description his demeanor was reportedly so calm and cooperative that the constables assumed they had the wrong individual. Wilson was incarcerated in the local jail, but managed to escape the same evening. There it is again. Nelson made the mistake of trying to catch the same train that was transporting members of the Winnipeg police and was recaptured 12 hours after his initial escape. He was officially arrested again the next morning by an officer from Crystal City Police Department on the rail line 47. He was taken to the Rupert Street Police Station in Winnipeg, where he was photographed, fingerprinted, measured, and prepared for identification lineups. Okay. Nearly 4,000 spectators awaited his arrival outside the station, hoping to glimpse the accused man. Photographs of Nelson taken by the Winnipeg police were shortly sent to the police departments throughout the U.S. This resulted in positive identifications from witnesses in Illinois and California who claimed the man was the same unknown renter they had countered with encounters with. Though he maintained that his identity was that of Virgil Wilson, fingerprints forwarded to Winnipeg from the San Francisco Police Department from his earlier arrest confirmed his identity as, identity as Earl Leonard Nelson. There it is. His fingerprints matched those left behind at several of the crime scenes, and his teeth matched marks found on the victim. Ugh. Okay. Initially, he admitted to his crimes, bluntly telling reporters, I only do my lady killings on Saturday nights. What is it, your celebration for a hard week's work? Gross. However, he would subsequently retract his admission and claim he was innocent. Uh, Upon an interview with the Manitoba Free Pet, press shortly after his arrest he said i'm charged with two murders but i'm not the one who done it oh yeah when asked about the various people in the u.s and canada who had positively identified him as the strangler he simply responded all of them are wrong despite attempts on both the u.s and canadian law enforcement agencies to get a confession he refused to admit to any of the murders for which he was suspected or accused at the time of his arrest he was wanted in six u.s cities and was held to be 
to be tried in a Manitoba court for the murders of both Cohen and Patterson. He was also charged with two counts of attempted molestation and one account of burglary. His trial was scheduled to begin June 27th, but postponed at the request of his attorney and instead began on November 1st. He was defended by a court-appointed attorney claiming that he was absolutely insane. Additionally, over 60 individuals from both Canada and the U.S. testified, many placing Nelson at the scenes of various crimes or linking him to property stolen from victims' homes. A jail guard who oversaw Nelson throughout his trial noted that he had become particularly obsessed with a certain biblical passage from the book of Proverbs, which read, My son, give me thine heart and let thine eyes observe my ways, for a whore is a deep ditch and a strange woman is a narrow pit. She also lieth in wait as for a prey and increaseth the, str- the transgressors among men. Okay. I feel like that's like the Bible saying mm-hmm. of throwing a hot dog down a hallway. <laughs> right. Like if she, she's all about all of them. A whore is a deep special. ditch. And oh. a strange woman is a narrow pit. <laughs> uh, so gross. The Bible's so weird. It is. Closing statements in Nelson's trial were completed on November 5th, 1927. After 40 minutes of deliberation, the jury sentenced him to death. Fair. Relatives of victims McConnell and Cohen visited Nelson in prison after his conviction, and he he continued to proclaim his innocence. In December of 1927, his attorney submitted a 30-page document petitioning for clemency on the grounds that Nelson was insane and that his personal history had been unfairly presented to the jury. It consisted of 20 affidavits from persons who had known Nelson throughout his life who swore they were in possession to know full well the character and mentality of the man and believed without exaggeration or mental reservation that he had been for a long time a person of unsound mind they're like yeah he's been he's crazy from way back yeah despite those affidavits the appeal was denied and nelson's execution was scheduled for the second friday of january and he was executed by hanging at 7.30 a.m. on January 13, 1928, at the Vaughn Street Jail in Winnipeg. His final words were, I forgive those who wronged me. Okay. <laughs> cool. Have fun burning in hell. Right? Because yeah, it just, I don't, wow. It's just a lot. 22. At least that's like what they they were able to tie him to, but he was everywhere. So Mm -hmm. who knows how many? That's my story of serial killer Earl Leonard Nelson. Uh, Good. They really didn't joke around about the death penalty back then, huh? No, fuck it. They were like, "Uh, you were sentenced uh, two weeks. We're going to just do it. It's done. Hang your ass good good gravy good gosh good golly it's good for those who are guilty not so good for those who who weren't weren't <laughs> and that's why we that's why the world took its time after a while they're like we're just gonna like make sure give them a chance to like appeal and find if there's any evidence that they didn't do stuff i feel like uh, for the ones where like you know you know there's, like, you know doubt, uh, it's time to go Oh. are you okay my tummy just hurts good golly oh, I miss I get my stuff. yeah i'm waiting on you you That's know amanda. that was amanda amanda for those of you who are not watching amanda which is everybody everybody but, except you <laughs> she just gave me the hand signal for ear fine <laughs> ear get ear done ear done all right what do you got for me today something terrible 
yeah extremely like enough to where I'm like hey just everybody be aware this is kind of a lot and um it reminds me of Sylvia Likens if that gives you an idea why because I found it and I had never heard of it before and I didn't know how I hadn't heard of it before don't don't fucking I don't want to hear it that's too bad you have to this is this is the job is it long uh relatively Ugh. Uh, there's also a lot of names and I do like switch from first to last name here and there because there's two that have the same last name. So I'll try to like clarify as much as I can if I need to. Anyway, so Suzanne Jane Capper and her story is what I'm going to tell you. Okay. Uh, she was born in 1976 uh, in Manchester, England. Suzanne lived with her mother and stepfather up until their divorce in 1990. So she was about 14 when that happened. And at that point, she kind of started getting floated around from different family members. I'm not sure why she didn't just live with her mom or her stepdad, who she grew up with, or her dad, you know, Um, they didn't, nothing really specified as to why they didn't have her live with them. But either way, she was kind of floating between houses and kind of just landed where she could. After she became, after all this, she kind of became a little bit of trouble. She started skipping school, which I mean, she's kind of a feral child at this point. So I don't know that I blame her for not being on top of her studies, you know, right. Uh, she began baby babysitting for, uh, a woman named Jean Powell and over a couple of years began spending more and more time at the Powell's house. So when she first became kind of feral, she started babysitting there, making a little bit of money. And then by the time she was like 16 ish, she was pretty much living there. Okay. Um, not officially, but pretty much. Her stepfather would later state that he tried to stop her from staying at the Powell's, but again, I don't think anybody like offered her a place to live. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but she was very strong-willed, as he said, and wasn't and wasn't willing to stop staying there. And he wasn't even aware of everything that had been happening at that house at that point. So, this is when we'll start kind of explaining the people in the house and what happens, okay? So Jean Powell was 26 uh, at the time of this incident. Uh, she was a drug dealer and was also involved in like handling stolen cars. So the handoff between car thief and person who's going to scrap it. So a real class act. Oh yeah. The whole crew is just a real fantastic crew. Uh, in this house it was filthy like they it was described as squalor gross um there she had her own kids right Mm -hmm. so there were multiple children also living in this nasty house uh people were having open sex in this house not behind closed doors with everybody uh including minors that were like 16 15 um Jane or Jean excuse me Suzanne pretty much lived with the Powells 
and her sister Jane also lived there for a little bit so I don't know if both of them were just like left to their own devices or what wait and Suzanne is the main Suzanne's the main girl okay Jane is the sister and Jean is the woman who owns the house with the kids uh so she also lived there and but she moved out in 1992 which is when Suzanne was 16 uh because she didn't like the evil people that were associated with the house okay so this was her sister saying that uh one of those people was Bernie uh Bernadette is her real name but I call her Bernie pretty much throughout because that's what she was called McNeely she lived just a couple houses down and Neely and Powell were constantly drugged out they had six kids between the two of them and they had sex with pretty much everybody who came in and out of the house including each other her friend Bernie eventually moved in to Jean's house I'm going to try to just use first Mm -hmm. names as much as I can so that we understand um pretty much moved into Jean's house at one point but kept like ownership of her house because they were estate houses so they were uh given to them but they just used the other house as like a place to go and not be in that house I don't know it's it's a weird situation not really sure what the point is but they she moved in uh the two women shared a bed in the dining room because quote the kids were taking up all the bedrooms because there's six kids in the house Mm -hmm. um they also bullied Suzanne regularly uh even with that though she was willing to stay there with them because she genuinely just seems like someone who was looking for some place that she could belong right with people that would accept her because it seems like everybody in her life kind of was just like okay well good luck see ya Mm -hmm. um so the Powell's so now now we're going to introduce more of the adults okay so Gene Powell's ex-husband Glenn also was in and out of the house because they remained friends and he would get drugs from her and then Bernie's boyfriend Anthony Dudson who was 16 also was in and out of the house mind you Bernie is also 26 just like Gene so we have Jean, who owns the house, Bernie, who's living there. Glenn is Jean's ex-husband, and Anthony is Bernie's boyfriend, who is 16. Okay. And then six kids. And then six kids. Plus Suzanne. Plus Suzanne. And that lived there, but, like, didn't live there. Uh, So Jean also had a guy named Jeffrey Lee, who was also 26, that she was sexually involved with. And he also helped run the stolen cars and do all. So he did business out of the house, do the drugs and stuff. Uh, Jean's younger brother, Cliff Pook, also was in the house regularly and would be involved in all those things. Okay. So we just added Jeffrey, who does the mostly the car running and has sex with Jean. And then Jean's little brother, Cliff, who's around doing drugs and stuff. Um. It seems like everybody in the house targeted Suzanne. Um, one one night, for example, Suzanne walked to her mother's house after being beaten up by Jean and begged to stay there. I'm not, again, I'm not sure why she wasn't living there in the first place, but whatever. But her mother turned her away saying that her boyfriend wouldn't allow it. So that's probably why she wasn't staying there. 
Mm-hmm. But the but I mean, right off the bat, though, from getting divorced from her stepdad, mm-hmm. she just was like kind of turned loose. So I don't know yeah. that she had a boyfriend she was living with at that time. Um, so without a choice, she just returned back because she doesn't have a car. So that was the only thing closest to walking distance. She just went back to the house where she just got the shit beat out of her. Uh, Suzanne from a young age was described as just wanting a connection. Like I said, uh, she just seemed to be surrounded by shit bags. And I just feel so bad for the poor girl. Uh, Jean claimed that Suzanne had tried to talk her into sleeping with a man for money. Also that Bernie and Anthony, the 16 year old boyfriend had gotten crabs at one point and blamed it on Suzanne because they used the same mattress as Suzanne at one point. Yeah. Maybe it's just because you're having rampant sex with random people. And the fact that if you're living in squalor guaranteed, the kids probably have lice. You Mm -hmm. guys probably have lice and you just happen to notice it because of your nastiness. Mm -hmm. Uh, McNeely. So Bernie also accused Suzanne of stealing her coat from her. So this was all like kind of a lead up to the big, Mm -hmm. situation that comes uh in november of 1992 anthony and bernie discovered that that they had the crabs uh anthony shaved off all of his pubic hair and gene blamed suzanne again like i said and uh anthony says that he had told her that he's pretty sure he got it from bernie not from suzanne Mm because bernie's the one that he's been intimate with uh this and like i said it was a stretch them trying to make it seem like suzanne was the one who gave it to them because they were like oh well she used this mattress and we use this mattress so mm-hmm. obviously it was her uh to to be clear all parties in this house were regularly banging each other mm-hmm. so it came from anybody it yeah. was anywhere i don't know it didn't say anywhere that suzanne partook in any of that um so I'm not even sure why because she wasn't obviously wasn't like an angel right but I wasn't sure why they would blame her uh, at all so December because she was a scapegoat that's why uh December 7th 1992 so this is like a couple weeks after they find out about the crabs right Suzanne was asked was asked to come to Jean's house where Anthony and Glenn were waiting for her as soon as she got in Uh, She was grabbed and held down by Glenn, who shaved her head and her eyebrows. Mm. Uh, They made her clean up all of the freshly shaven hair afterwards. And after this, they put a bag over her head and began beating her around the head uh, until she had fallen to the ground. And at that point, Jean and Bernie came up and began kicking her as she curled up on the floor, trying to protect herself. Mm. The two women were hitting her with belts and a large wooden spoon. And when I say a wooden spoon, I don't mean like the one that your mom would swat you on the butt with. I mean, one of those ornamental three foot ones that sit on the ground, on the wall. Like a big paddle. Yeah, basically. Uh, It wasn't just like a little skinny wooden spoon that breaks if you Mm -hmm. just hit too hard, you know. Uh, They then forced her into the bathroom and forced her to shave her pubic hair off while they watched, just as a humiliation to her. Uh, She, obviously, it was kind of like a penance for giving, giving, quotation, giving crabs to Anthony and Bernie. 
she was then locked in a cupboard overnight. Okay. So after all this getting Mm -hmm. beat up and it may seem like it's, I don't want to say it sounds not serious because it does sound serious, but just to give an example, she had clearly like her arm had either fallen out of socket or was shattered because it hung limp Mm -hmm. by her side the rest of the time that all this was happening. So she clearly like was beaten heavily and I don't want to make it seem lesser than it was, you know? Right. Uh, the next day after she was locked in the cupboard overnight, they moved her to Bernie's house that was still sitting vacant and she wasn't living in. Uh, because the six children in the house were quote upset by Susan's cry- Suzanne's crying. Ugh. Okay. Yeah. Don't beat her then. I don't know. Uh, so there, Suzanne was tied up with electrical wires, from what I could tell, spread eagle on a, they said bed, but it looked like, because I saw pictures of like the crime scene, it looks more like a flipped over box spring. So it had like the wood panels in the back, you know, so it's like she was tied up spread eagle to that. Uh, according to some sources, they said she was naked, but I couldn't like verify that wouldn't be surprised with the way that they all are just kind of terrible humans. Uh, anyway, so they stuffed socks into her mouth to muffle her screaming. Oh, I can't. Uh, this is. Yeah. And she was left there during the day while they did their nefarious businesses. Uh, the events that will now, that will now get into is over five days. It's known as the week of sadism in some circles. <sighs> It gets really rough. I really so don't just, want to hear any of this. I just, you know, just la 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 in your head. So she was regularly beaten and shot up with amphetamines. She had rave music blasting into her ears in headphones that they put over her head. Um, specifically, it was like a remix rave version that would say, hi, I'm Chucky. Want to play? And like, you know. Mm-hmm. you know, the rave music. Um, she was burnt with cigarettes. She would get, I tried not to get like too like into detailed stuff, just like an overview of things. Okay. They would start every quote torture session with the phrase Chucky's coming to play. They would say that and then start proceed to hurt her. However, they decided to at that point, cause it was a little bit of everything. Um, Suzanne had been there for a couple days and obviously was left to sit in her own waist. So at that point, they forced her into a bathtub with strong disinfectants and scrubbed her skin with a stiff brush until she was scrubbed raw. Uh, Jean's little brother, Cliff, then removed her gag and said, right, I'm going to rip your teeth out. (gasps) Dude, no. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. This part, you can cover your ears if you need to. Um, he began then hitting her in the mouth with the pliers and in the teeth. Um, he finally was able to get her to open her mouth because she refused to open her mouth. So that's so he started just like wailing on the, her front teeth with her the pliers. Um, she he finally got the pliers on one of her teeth, but it only snapped and chipped. So then she started he started hitting her again. It didn't pull out. He then was able to 
pull one out, laughed, and repeated the process. So he pulled out a couple of her teeth. Teeth. According to this, Clift kept these teeth in his house, and the police found them later. Another 16-year-old, David Hill, who was kind of in and out of the property, but not as like active as Anthony or any of the other people, he was there, and they asked him to hang out at uh, Bernie's house for some reason. This this David Hill guy uh, just stood there, and he said while he was waiting for Anthony, he could hear him yelling, shut up, you slag, from the back room. <sighs> um, when he asked him what was happening when they came out, because it was him and Jeffrey, so it was... Cliff and Jeffrey Mm -hmm. came out and Anthony came out and Jeffrey showed the boy Suzanne, this boy that had nothing to do with any of this. Well, after this, he kind of does, I guess. But this boy who had nothing to do with this shows him Suzanne, who had her eyes covered at the time, according to this David Hill boy. Uh, And there was blood on her lips. She had absolutely no hair. He also stated that at some point he heard them talking about pulling out her teeth, like he overheard them conversing Mm -hmm. about it. Um, He was even left there with Suzanne, who pleaded with him to do something. And he just said, I I can't, I can't do anything. Uh, He was asked who, he asked her who she was, and she told him. She asked him to untie her, and he just kept going, I can't. I can't untie you. And I'm sure he was terrified because clearly mm-hmm. these people are absolutely Fucking insane bananas. Cause his reasoning was he was too scared of Jeffrey Lee specifically to do anything. And he said, I quote, I thought they would batter me. If I had said anything, they would have done that to me. Wouldn't they? I didn't know what to do. I was too shocked to do anything at the time. And I mean, which is, he's a 16 year old kid. So it's, Mm -hmm. I guess in my mind, it's fair that he just genuinely was like, you know, it's like the fight, flight or freeze mode. Right. Genuinely was just in that freeze. Like, I don't know what else to do. Then what if they do it to me? Uh, During this time, um, Lee and Anthony met with Suzanne's sister and her fiance because her fiance, Paul Barlow was going to fix their car. Because he was oh. one of the mechanics that would help with like the all the car running stuff. Um, he later said that if they would have said something to him, he would have, quote, kicked the door down. I would have gotten Susan out, Suzanne out. I didn't think that they would have been capable of such savage, savage, savagery. Excuse me, that word was oh. hard. I don't know. Now all I want is 10 minutes in the back room alone with them. Uh because you know this is her brother-in-law mm-hmm. he was like I had no idea if I would have known I would have done something but also you guys had a place to live why didn't you throw it out there that she could stay with you if you knew that these people were not mm-hmm. good people I just the whole time every time I read things I was like I feel like there's so many people that could have done something more than just been like oh well you know don't be there okay well give them an option they don't feel like she didn't feel like she had an option um michelle who is suzanne's sister that michelle's the sister of the brother-in-law okay whatever um told them that he hadn't 
that they hadn't seen her and that her father was about to file a missing persons report because even with her not living there she would regularly see her father stepfather mother sister Mm -hmm. um they just didn't stay there all the time so I don't know if maybe she just chose not to stay at their houses because maybe she was you know into some stuff that they were like hey you need to stop doing that if you're going to be here you know that sort of thing but it doesn't specify anywhere uh anyway so she said that they were going to file a missing persons report because nobody had seen her or heard from her including the people they were talking to they said they hadn't seen her mm-hmm. um so with that the group decided that they needed to remove Suzanne uh we know what that means so early oh. morning December 14th of 1992 they forced her into the trunk of a car they drove her out about 15 miles to a narrow country road in the car were Bernie Jean, Glenn, and Anthony. So uh, Lee and uh, Cliff stayed behind. Mm-hmm. Uh, Suzanne pushed into was pushed into an embankment when they got there, and it was full of brambles and like nasty bushes. Mm-hmm. And Bernie poured gasoline all over her body and oh, my all God. over her body. After three attempts of lighting the gasoline without being directly next to her, because they didn't want to be next to her going engulfing in flame, uh, Anthony and Glenn then went down and lit her on fire directly um, on her back. And she just, I guess she just burst into flame, according to them. She began screaming and allegedly Bernie began singing burn, baby, burn. On the way home, they stopped to buy canned drinks I'm assuming pops Mm -hmm. um it's funny though because like all these UK articles that I was reading it's all these the slang and the way that they say things so I have to like just assume or look it up uh reportedly Cliff asked Glenn when they got back have you done it and when they returned Glenn laughed and said yes we gave her and gave his lighter back because they borrowed it from Cliff so uh Suzanne wasn't dead though at this time they left her for dead but she wasn't dead she managed to get herself out of the the ditch and staggered across like along the road until she was come across by at 6 10 a.m because remember this is like 2 a.m that they Mm -hmm. started doing all this and making those plans um barry Sutcliffe and a bunch of his co-workers that they were like carpooling to work came up upon her uh so they picked her up obviously mm-hmm. and they told like she told them that over in the field they burned me they put petrol on me uh they took her to the nearest house that they could find woke up the owners which was Michael Coop and his wife why can't I think of her name we'll get to it but Michael Coop said that her hands looked like ash and her legs were charred uh he said that he was struck by how polite she was even with her state thanking him him and his wife over and over again for helping that helping her he said that he instinctively put his arms around her to console her because she was bawling and weeping and he wanted to like give her a hug but she obviously like jumped back in pain and wailed Mm -hmm. Uh, Mr. Coop also said that her face was almost featureless at this point oh uh Suzanne drank six glasses of water because they were also not feeding or 
Mm-hmm. You know, they give her like a little something here and there enough to keep her alive. Um, drank six glasses of water while they waited for emergency services, but couldn't even hold the glass by herself because her hands were so burnt. Mm-hmm. Uh, Margaret, that's her name. Margaret Coop, the wife, compared her to the a victim of Vietnam War. Um, but she believed that she thought she was going to survive. Mm-hmm. She quote said, I had this theory that now that she was going to, she had gotten somewhere where she could be helped, she would live. And she was talking and, you know, they thought she was in a hard way, but they figured she would survive because she was somewhere and going to get to the hospital. Mm -hmm. Uh, When Suzanne was brought to the hospital, she was able to tell them the names of her torturers and Jean Powell's address. And then she slipped into a coma. A lot of things, a lot of articles said, and then like she had done what she needed to do she slipped into a coma like Mm -hmm. she gave them the information to get these people and then she was able to rest basically uh she had suffered severe burns over 80 percent of her body um so severe that her mother and stepfather couldn't even recognize her id her when they came to the hospital she also had a collapsed lung and they officially had to ID her by a partial fingerprint on her thumb because it was the only finger that wasn't burnt bad enough to where they couldn't get a fingerprint. Um, Suzanne Jean Capper never woke up. Uh, She was pronounced dead December 18th, 1992. Detective Peter Wall led the investigation and at 7.30 on the 14th, so right after she was found, on the road. Mm -hmm. Um, he sent officers to arrest everybody like after she had given all the information everybody at the Powell's house Jean and Bernie laughed and joked as they were being arrested they all denied to be part of this torture and murder obviously they're not gonna whatever Mm -hmm. only when Anthony Dudson's father implored him to tell the truth you need to tell them and remember Anthony's 16 so Mm -hmm. he also is like very impressionable granted he pulled out was it him who pulled out teeth or no, was it, was it, was cliff? Or cliff. it was cliff it was cliff yep cliff and lee were in the room um he began to confess once his dad was like you need to just tell them detective wall said that the story they told as it unfolded was unbelievable he said quote i kept asking myself how one human being could do this to another Mm-hmm. Um, all of the officers and staff were moved to tears as they heard the story and they sent they got money together and sent flowers to the hospital on the 17th the day before Suzanne died and like a card where they all signed it and they just it's like what they could do mm-hmm. to show their support other than like their job uh, that same day on the December 17th uh, the six of them Jean Powell Bernie Mc Bertie McNeely, Anthony Dudson, Glenn Powell, Cliff Pook, and Jeffrey Lee were officially charged with kidnapping and attempted murder because she hadn't died yet. Um, the trial began in November 1993, which all of those, the charges changed to murder, obviously, mm-hmm. once she passed away. Uh, they all turned on each other. Oh, I'm Because that's, sure. that's what cowards do. Um and pointed the finger at one another as to who set Suzanne on fire because that was the act of murdering her officially was mm-hmm. the burning and all of that. 
uh, Jean Powell claimed that she was numb and scared and had locked her in the cupboard that night for her own protection. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. And that she can't stand violence. Okay. I just want to punch her in the face. Along with saying that she loved Suzanne like a sister. Ugh. Uh, then Bernadette said that she had shot her up with amphetamines to stop her from getting shot up with heroin. Huh? Why Why is that better? I don't... Why are you shooting her up with anything? Stop it. <laughs> Leave okay. her alone. Again, one thing that just... It just bothers me. The family was in the courtroom supporting it. I don't know. I Like I said, I don't know their situation. I don't know if maybe Suzanne had been given an ultimatum, like, you need to stop doing drugs or whatever mm-hmm. it may be, because I don't know what's going on. But I hate that her family shows up in the courtroom and like celebrates the guilty verdicts where it's like you could you could have at least been there for her like she may have had crap that she's dealing with but like she can't it's not that she didn't even come to you to be like this is a bad situation Mm -hmm. I don't know I again I don't know the situation so I can't judge officially but you sound pretty judgy I I feel kind of judgy but but it's my opinion. It's not necessarily a fact is my point. <laughs> um, anyway, <laughs> while the verdicts were announced, the couple, a couple of jury members cried. They had a hard time convicting everybody on things. Cause they had a couple jury, like a jury member that was like holding out on, well, I can't say that they had planned to murder her. There was not necessarily, you know, it, all those things that come with jury stuff, but they ended up being, guilty uh mcneely so bernie was convicted of murder conspiracy to commit grievous bodily harm false imprisonment got life in prison with a minimum of 25 years plus 20 years plus 20 more years for the two other offenses mm-hmm. uh gene powell oh, oh, oh gene powell and glenn powell were sentenced to the same as bernie mcneely okay uh, so they all got the life sentences and then supposed to be plus 20 years, plus 20 years. Uh, Jeffrey Lee pleaded guilty to false imprisonment and got 12 years, which I don't know why he didn't get any sort of like torture or whatever, because he was part of that. Mm-hmm. But just keeping her there was what he was charged with and got 12 years. Anthony Dudson, who was a minor, was guilty of conspiracy to cause grievous harm and false imprisonment. Uh, detained indefinitely with a minimum of 18 years. I'm assuming it's just because he's a minor. So it Mm -hmm. was like, we'll see how he's at and we're going to try our best to not keep him forever. Um, Cliff Pook pleaded guilty to conspiracy to cause grievous bodily harm and got 15 years. Uh, He pleaded guilty to false imprisonment for an additional 15 years as well. Uh, Lee appealed his sentence and it was reduced to nine years from, from 12 to nine and in November of 1994, so a couple of years later, Dudson, so Anthony Dudson's minimum was cut from 18 years to 16 years in 2002. This was appealed by Dudson saying that it was an insufficient deduction, um, but that was dismissed. McNeely and Jean Powell were approved to have their minimum sentence reviewed in 2012, so 20 years after the murder. 
and Bernie's sentence was reduced by a year and Gene Powell's was reduced by two after they showed, after Gene showed remorse for the situation and took, took responsibility and showed that she like understood that it was whatever. You get a year off. Yeah, you get a year. Um, and she helped stop a prison escape. Oh, apparently, um, because in 1996, it was found out that Bernie McNeely was having an affair with a married, like, big head honcho at the prison. Um, and he resigned because he was had been no in a murder. Reasoning. So, uh, interesting fact. McNeely was being held in the same wing as Rosemary West and as Myra Hindley. Oh. So she was with some notorious mm-hmm. nastiness. Uh, rumor, there were rumors that her and Myra had a little uh, lesbian relationship in prison. Oh. Um, but after this whole like trying debacle with the uh, head honcho, she was transferred uh lee and pook wait hold on lee was released early in 1998 so he only ended up serving six five years so was he just like a henchman he didn't really do anything and that's i'm wondering because he the only part of the story that he's really in is when he talked to that random david kid that was there yeah so he was basically just like a henchman hanging out yeah it's like he was like a doorman like made sure that nobody came in and out type of thing it seems like um and poop was released in 2001 which is like nine years and puts put on something similar to probation they called it out on license but it's the same idea where he has to like check in they if he does anything he's gonna get a harsher sentence you know Mm -hmm. uh and Bernie McNeely was released in 2014. Ew. Which I do not understand because that is 22 years. Granted, she got it reduced to 22 years minimum because it started, well, because she was supposed to have the 20 on top of those, but I don't know if they were consecutive or what. I'm not sure they didn't say in any of my details, but gross. Gross. So here's my wrap up because everybody else is still either in prison or I haven't heard anything else okay um this whole situation was also used as a political argument against governmental welfare programs apparently oh because they were using the welfare houses uh uh-huh saying well and it was so weird because like it legitimately in some of them was like see this is just what poor people do that's not, like, no that's, that's not what terrible people do yeah no do do i think maybe they should have been regulated a little bit more sure like checked on made sure they're not doing illegal things and whatnot awesome but that's not a thing i don't know i just hate that uh it just makes me mad because this poor girl's death was used as some political. catalyst for a political ideal you know i just don't understand but that is detail i have no updates on the family because they weren't really even a part of it until the trial and then whatever i don't know about the other people in prison because i didn't see any like updates on them um which i don't know that i would hear much about anthony dudson's stuff considering that was a minor 
deal other than like his official sentence. So I wonder if he was able to get a clean start afterwards, which is dumb. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but yeah, that's it. That's all I got. And it's gross. And I'm glad that I'm done and I can stop thinking about it. I hate everything about it. It was a terrible. Just poor thing. I just feel like. I have to listen to it again when I edit yeah, this. Yeah, you do. So I hate it. I just feel so. I feel so bad. And I wish that someone would have just been like, come here. But again, I don't know if there was like an underlying issue that needed to be dealt with before she could be places with people. If they were like, okay, we're done trying to help you with this stuff. Yeah. To get your shit together and then you can come be here. So I don't know. It just all sucks. And I wish it didn't happen. And I wish these, I wish people weren't so terrible. I agree. I just yeah, you you all of my nail polish. Uh, yeah, because you disassociated as much as possible when I was telling details. Yes. I did. <laughs> I get it. My, I just put color shoot on yesterday, and I picked them all off today. <laughs> I got naked fingers right now. I need to put some on though because <laughs> they're starting to get weak and flaky. And whenever that happens, I always put a color street on because it makes them not break as easy. It's I like know. another layer. I gotta put another one on because that's cute. Mine are like that too. So All that right. was terrible. I hated everything about it. You suck. Oh, um, thank you. <laughs> thanks for listening, guys. Yeah, thanks. Twice. Sorry, Amanda just fucked your ears. I know. I'm like, well, um, see you later. Live with that for now. Marinate in that. Have a good day. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, you know, spread the word. It's not this word. You just you just keep this to yourself. This you can keep to yourself. It's just, one of those. Just forget it. Never have. <laughs> Hear it and then just let it let it go. Let it go. Except don't because we go. don't want that sort of thing to happen ever again. Don't do it. Don't stop it. Sit on your hands. If you can't keep mm-hmm. it to yourself, sit on your hands. That's like our theme for the day. Just, just sit on your hands. Just sit the, sit the fuck down. Fucking sit down. Stop rocking the boat. Everybody just have your own things and be happy. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> I said that out of butthole lips. God damn it. God damn it. <laughs> Best part about that is, is everybody who's listening can imagine the butthole lips. Butthole lips. <laughs> Hey, goodbye.